Thank you. Good morning, Christ Church. Great to be with you today. You'll want to make sure that you have, I'm John Spate, by the way, one of the pastors. You'll want to make sure that you have a copy of the Christ Church notes. These are, I, I've said it each week, these are keepers. Uh, because these are, what I'm going to be teaching you is some biblical principles on how you can strengthen your relationships. And so you'll want to make sure that you have a copy of the sermon notes and uh, that you have a pen or a pencil and be ready to fill in these blanks as we go along. You know, we're in the series all about healing relationships. The series is called Apology Accepted. And it's based on a book uh, called uh, Five Apology Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Jennifer Thomas. Uh, and what I learned just recently is that uh, in the most recent iteration of the book, they actually changed the name. They changed the name and the cover and everything. It, uh, matter of fact, I think you put it up there. It is right there. Is uh, when sorry isn't enough. They're calling it now. When sorry isn't enough, making things right with those you love. Now you know in this series, I'm going to be teaching you some very clear biblical principles that you need in order to genuinely, sincerely, and effectively apologize to those you have hurt. So, in fact, you may remember from the first teaching that I gave about this series uh, two weeks ago that if you have hurt someone, in order for your apology to be accepted, above all else, the people that you're apologizing to need to be sure that your apology is sincere. I mean, that's the big thing. Everybody wants to know that their apology is sincere, that the one giving that apology is genuinely sorry for what he or she has done that has caused so much pain in your life. You know, and only when that apology is deemed sincere will there be forgiveness and healing in your relationship. I hope that's clear. Because if this isn't there, then there's no chance that there's really going to be any forgiveness. And there's no chance that there's going to be any healing in that relationship. So everything that I'm teaching you today is right out of God's Word, and it is based on one particular scripture. Our foundational scripture today is from the book of James, and it is chapter 5, verse 16. Matter of fact, put it on the screen. We're going to read it together. It says this. Let's read. Ready? Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Let's do it again. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There it is. Now, listen to me, because when James here is saying, admit your faults to one another, when he says, admit your faults to one another, what is he telling us to do? He's telling us to apologize, right? Absolutely. This is what he's telling us to do. When he says, admit your faults to one another, he's saying right here to apologize. Apologize to each other. Admitting your faults is the beginning of an apology. Admitting your faults is at the beginning of an apology. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, how many times have you apologized, but 
your apology fell as flat as a pancake. You know, I mean, think about that. You've made an apology, and it just fell flat. It flopped. Well, something else happened. You made another apology, and it flopped as well. You know, when, when that happens, it is really easy to begin thinking, well, you know, why do it? <laughs> I mean, why do I even want to go down that road again to apologize if he or she is not going to accept my apology? Evidently, it just simply doesn't matter. I apologize, but he or she just will not accept it. Well, if that's, let, if that's you, let me let you in on this little understood fact, and that is this. The overwhelming majority of couples out there do not have the same apology language. Do you hear me? The majority of people, the overwhelming majority of couples, do not share the same apology language. What in the world does that mean? It means this. You may give what you believe is an unbelievably sincere apology. But if the one you hurt, if your spouse or close friend, whoever it is you hurt, does not share the same apology language that you do, they will not interpret what you did as a genuine and sincere apology. In other words, when you're apologizing and you don't speak the same apology language, you're simply talking past each other. You're talking past each other. You're not communicating in the same way where each of you understand what is taking place. You know, I was talking with somebody uh, in the gathering hall who said to me recently, he said, she said, you know, I... When, when, when somebody apologizes to me, I want all the apology languages, John. I mean, I want every single one of them. <laughs> and you know, well, you know, that may be absolutely true for that individual that they require all of them in order to feel apologized to. But here, listen to me say this. You know, the overwhelming majority of us have one specific apology language, our primary apology language, and we'd like to receive a secondary apology language. But if we don't get it, as long as our primary apology language has been deemed sincere, then we're okay. We're all right. We can pronounce forgiveness. We can go on. Uh, some a lesser percentage requires two, even fewer require three, even fewer require four, and there is that one person here somewhere out in the gathering hall, right, who requires, as she said, every last one of them. She wants them all. Now, so what are the apology languages? Well, you know, we've, uh, we've talked about two of them. I did two weeks ago. Pastor Todd talked about the second one last week. Here they are. Let's, let's review them right now. The first one is expressing regret. Expressing regret. You'll want to write that in, expressing regret. And we, we express our regret when we say, first of all, we say, I am sorry. There it is. We say, I am sorry. That's what must 
be said, we must express regret by saying, I am sorry. Now, the second apology language that Pastor Todd talked about last week is this. It is accepting responsibility. It is accepting responsibility. Accepting responsibility is the primary or secondary apology language is when you admit what? Does anybody remember? I am what? I am, that's right, I am wrong or I was wrong. We need to say that, people need to hear that, particularly if this is their primary or secondary apology language, accepting responsibility. They want to know that you know that you hurt them and that you were wrong in doing so. That's what's behind this. They want you to accept responsibility. Now today, we're moving into uh, apology language number three. The third way, the third apology language, the third way that many people must understand or must hear in order to deem your apology sincere, and that is making restitution. All right, write that in, making restitution, making restitution, and uh, for those of you who have uh, making restitution as your primary or secondary apology language, before you will accept that apology as sincere, you need to hear someone say, how can I make things right? That's the deal. That's what making restitution is all about. You're saying, how can I make things right? Honey, I've hurt you. I have, I have, uh, what I did was wrong. I've hurt you. How can I make things right? How can I make things right? What can I do to make up for what I've done for you? And the reason why this is a big deal is because making restitution requires, or what the person wants to have happen to them, is that I must pay my debt to the person that I've wronged. And the, the one who has making restitution as his or her primary apology language, that's what they want you to do. They want, they, when you hurt them, you created a debt to them. And they want that debt paid back. I must pay my debt to the person that I wronged. This is a big deal. To understand this, to get this in your mind, that they believe, people with this apology language believes that when you have hurt them intentionally or unintentionally, doesn't matter whether it's been intentional or not, if you've hurt them, you have created a debt. You have created a debt and that debt in their mind must be repaid in order for your apology to be accepted and that they, they were willing to pass on forgiveness and healing into that relationship. In fact, wise old King Solomon says it like this in Proverbs 14, 9. He says this, he says, fools mock at making restitution. Let's just read that little piece together. Ready? Fools mock at making restitution. We need to do that louder. Fools mock at making restitution. All right. But there is goodwill among the upright. Well, what's he saying here? What is, what is wise old King Solomon saying? He's saying, look, don't be a fool. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't be a fool. 
If you have, if you, if you uh, have wronged someone whose primary apology language is making restitution and you don't do it, he said, you're a fool. You're a fool for not doing it, for not understanding this. Fools mock at making restitution, but there's goodwill among the upright. You know, uh, those of good character understand that making restitution restores broken relationships. That's important. Those of good character understand that. Understand that, that, that uh, making restitution is what restores broken relationships. And you know, it's interesting that making restitution is not only buried into our judicial system here in the United States, uh, but it's also critical uh, to maintain human relationships. I mean, let's think about it for a moment. You know, good parents certainly model and teach and expect this behavior from their kids. We, we know that. All good parents model and expect and teach this kind of thing to our children. Because if, you know, if, uh, if my kid comes up to yours and steals your kid's yo-yo, I'm going to make my kid say I'm sorry and I'm going to make that kid return your child's yo-yo. And you know what that is, right? It's making restitution. When my kid returns your kid's yo-yo, that is making restitution. You know, uh, not only do you make them apologize, but you make them return the toy. That's key. You know, if I'm stopped at a traffic light and somebody hits the back of my car... You know, I don't care if my car is 12 years old and has 230,000 miles on it. I, I want something more than an apology, all right? Maybe I'm the only one in the room like that, but I want restitution, you know, if you hit my car and smash it up. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, in fact, if, if today I'm on my way uh, home, stop somewhere, and a thief grabs my wallet and gets all $10 that I carry in it, not only do I want my money back, I mean my wallet back, but I want my money too. I expect restitution. I want my wallet back, and I want the $10 that's in there. You know... Uh, when the when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness 40, for 40 years, you remember the story, of course, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, God told Moses the importance of teaching the Israelites restitution. Matter of fact, we find that in the book of Numbers, Old Testament, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Check this out. It says this. If any of the people, men or women, Betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they're guilty. Okay, so if you do wrong, you're guilty. That's what he's starting out. Anybody, man or woman, does something to someone else, then they're guilty. What do they have to do? Here it goes. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they've done. That's what God taught Moses to teach the Israelites when they were out in the wilderness. Look, if you do somebody wrong, you're guilty. Just fess up to it. Admit your sin. What are they saying? Admit it. Apologize, right? Isn't that what he's saying? Apologize. If you can't, you, the only way you can apologize is admitting that you've done something wrong. 
So, number one, if you've done something wrong to somebody else, you're guilty. So, you know, fess up, apologize, and then make full restitution. Make restitution for what they've done. This is what God taught Moses to teach the Israelites. Why? Because this is important to maintain human relationships. What's the purpose of restitution? It's this. To make the person that you've wronged whole. To make the person that you've wronged whole. You know, even in our judicial system, if somebody takes my wallet and I have $10 in it, and I get my wallet back and I get my $10 back, but I don't get $20 back. Our judicial system is not set up that way. It is set up to make a person whole again. If I've lost $10, I don't get 20 back. If I've lost $10, I'm supposed to get $10 back. It's about making the person that you wrong whole. And there's this great story. I love the story of Zacchaeus. In the book of uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, just a dynamite story of, uh, of Zacchaeus. Great story about this very thing. See, Jesus was passing through the town of Jericho, and the word got out that he was coming through. Well, crowds started lining the street. You know, people were coming out of their shops and their homes and their businesses, and they were lining the street to catch a glimpse of this guy, you know, because the word had gotten around that, that you know, he claims to be a Messiah. Things are happening. People are, sick people are getting well, blind are getting their sight back. Those who are, those uh, uh, who uh, were, uh, are sick are being made well. I mean, all of this word is getting out and Jesus is coming through town. So all the people line up just to catch a glimpse of him. Well, this guy, Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. And, uh, you know, like today, uh, tax collectors are not very popular, but unlike today, uh, he had made a decision that he, he, or excuse me, but unlike today, a tax collector at that time could tax you any amount that they believed that they could get out of you. So they were very unpopular. Well, because Zacchaeus was a short guy, he climbed up in a tree in order to see Jesus. And Jesus came this way, and he looked up in the tree, and he saw Zacchaeus, and he told him to come down. And the crowd was just beside themselves. They couldn't believe that Jesus would, would even acknowledge a sinner like that tax collector, Zacchaeus. Nobody wanted to associate with him. But Jesus, you know, hearing the grumbling of the crowd, uh, looked at Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus said this. Zacchaeus stood up. This is verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, listen to that, if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll say it again, if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You talk about restitution. There it is right there. That is indeed restitution. But why is it so important in relationships? Why is restitution so important in relationships? It's this, 
Because in the sphere of our relationships, listen to me, within the sphere of your relationships, our desire for restitution is almost always rooted in our need for love. This, the reason we want restitution is rooted in our need to be loved. Just think about this for a second. Let me ask you, why do you think it hurts so much and so deeply when your spouse or close friend, that person that you love so much, when they, when they wrong you? Why does it hurt so bad when the person you love the most wrongs you? Why does it that? Why, why do you feel so bad? Well, you feel so bad because you feel betrayed. That's the reason. You feel betrayed by the very person that you love, by the one that if you're married, that you stood uh, before God, your family and friends, and said, uh, you know, I will love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. This is my solemn vow. That's what we say. And the person wrongs you. And you feel betrayed. And so what is it that you want? What is it that you want to know? You want to know something at that point. You want to know if that person does what? Say it louder. There it is. Put it on the screen. Do you still love me? Do you still love me? Why? Because I feel betrayed. I feel betrayed. This whole deal about making restitution, remember, is, is, is rooted in, the, in our need for love. And when that person wrongs you, when your spouse wrongs you, when the, your close, dearest, closest friend wrongs you, you want to know, do you still love me? You have betrayed me. You have hurt me. You have wronged me. Do you still love me? You see, for the person whose primary apology language is restitution, saying I'm sorry or I was wrong is simply not enough. They are looking for a much deeper answer, uh, answer to their question. And their question is, do you still love me? You have hurt me to the quick. Do you still love me? Do you still feel the same way about me? And to make it right only happens through restitution. And here's, and here's how it's got to happen. You see, restitution has got to be done in the love language of the person you've wronged. And I hope you'll hear this. 
Because even when people understand that their partner's primary love, uh, primary apology language is restitution, even when you know that, even when you know I've got to make restitution, what many people, where many people screw up, is they fail to do it in the love language of the person they've hurt. You see, listen to me. Making restitution in your primary love language won't cut it. That's why you can even make an apology, do it in the primary love language, or excuse me, in the apology language of the individual you've wronged, and it still falls flat as a pancake. You're still saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, how can I make things right? And then you attempt to make things right, but you're doing it in your love language, not his or hers. And so your, your restitution falls as flat as a pancake. This is why you need to understand what your partner, what your spouse, what your, what your close friend's primary love language is. You see, like things like words of restitute, uh, words of uh, affirmation. If that's your partner's primary love language, when you make restitution, you're saying things like, uh, you know, I love you. I, you are the the best best wife or best husband any man or woman could ever hope for. You blessed me the day that you came into my life. If you're primary love language or your partner's primary love language is words of affirmation, that's what they need to hear. That's, they will understand what you're doing is making restitution when you do that. If it's acts of service, restitution is based on the adage that actions speak louder than words. So what must you do? Maybe it's help with household chores. Maybe it's more help with the children. Maybe it's, it's taking off of your partner's plate something that he or she would normally do, and you do it because you love the person, and you're looking to repay that debt, and you're looking to, re, uh, to make that restitution in a way that they will feel love. If their primary love language is acts of service, that's what you need to do. If it's receiving gifts, Restitution is made with flowers, it's made with candy, it's made uh, with little gifts. You know, I, I, re I remember one of, one of my wife's primary love languages is receiving gifts, and uh, I still remember to this day, I, I don't do it as often as I can because, uh, uh, frankly, I, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I did and then I'll tell you why I don't do it, is... Uh, <laughs> As I was mowing the grass, and uh, I, there was the, there was a bunch of dandelions in the yard, and so I picked the dandelions, and I brought the dandelions into Rosemary, and she loved it. I mean, she really, really, really loved it. Ah, you were cutting the grass, and you thought of me. Whatever you were doing, you thought of me. Thank you, sweetie. I appreciate the dandelions very much. She put them in a little vase and had them there in the kitchen, and that was very nice. I don't do that anymore because I've spent hundreds of dollars killing dandelions in my yard. 
and, uh, and I get them before they bloom now. Let me tell you, I, am, I guess I'm uh, OCD or something with dandelions in my yard. But that's the reason I don't do it anymore. But I do enjoy giving her flowers. I've done it several times in the last month. And just, you know, if I happen to be at the store and I see something like that, and then I don't, I never, and I never get you know, big expensive kinds of things because for the person receiving gifts, that really isn't the issue. The issue is whatever you were doing, in the midst of that, you thought of me. And in that, they see that you love them. And there's some restitution in that. Uh, quality time. Restitution happens when you spend time together on a date night, whatever it may be like that. Or if uh, the uh, primary love language is physical touch, making restitution happens in intimacy. It happens in holding hands. It happens sitting next to one another, you know, shoulder to shoulder on the sofa and just being Touching, being together in that way. You see, folks, make sure you get this. In relationships, why do we do this restitution in relationship? Because it's all about, here it is, just fill it in, reaffirming love. That's why, they, that's why we do it. That's why it's so important that we do it. You know, if you'll look at your... Christchurch notes there on the on the back page. I've given you, given you some uh, statements uh, that you can make if you're making restitution to someone you've wronged. You know, uh, is there anything I can do to make up for what I've done? That's that's a that's a uh, a really good sent uh, question that you can ask before you start making restitution. Find out if there is anything that you can do if there's something, because then you're bringing that person into it. Now, listen, you know, uh, don't, whatever you do, you know, if you're the one who's wrong and somebody says, is there anything that I can do to make things right? Or is there anything I can do to make things better? You know, first of all, don't say something like, well, if you don't know what to do, I'm certainly not going to tell you. Let me, that just is not right. Okay. Let's just get that on the table. That ain't right. If somebody asks you that, they are asking genuinely and sincerely. Give them the opportunity to ask the question. All right, here's the next one. I know I've hurt you deeply, and I feel like I should do something to make up for the hurt I've caused. Will you please give me a suggestion? Or, I've broken this promise many times. Would you like me to put my commitment in writing this time? There you go. That'll, that, that'll, that'll commit you. That'll do it right there. Would you like me to put my commitment to you in writing this time? You know, folks, th this message is all about our, our uh, horizontal relationships, our earthly relationships you know, and how to keep them strong and healthy. But we Christians really need to know this. These relationships, these horizontal relationships are possible because of this relationship. This relationship between us and God gives us the tools we need 
gives us the example by looking at the life of Christ on how to make these relationships strong. You know, you think about what Jesus did for us, you know, on the on the cross, when we, were, when we were completely dead in our sins, we had no way of going to heaven, no way of spending eternity with God, completely and utterly separated from Him because of our sinfulness. God, not willing to stop at anything, came in the person of Jesus and ended up there because there was a debt that was owed. Here's the thing. You know, when you think about the cross, the reason He went to the cross is because we owed a debt. We owed a debt to God. We had wronged Him. Remember, I told you that this whole business of making restitution is about paying a debt, and when you wrong somebody, they feel that you have, that you have now created a debt that must be repaid. That's why making restitution is important in our relationships. Think about this one. Our most important relationship right here. You know, we created a debt with our sin to God. We owed a debt. The problem is we owed a debt we could not pay. We were in such debt, there was no way that anything that we could ever do would satisfy the debt that we owed. So, when Christ God came in Jesus to pay a debt that he did not owe because he was sinless. He paid a debt that he didn't owe because you and me, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. He made restitution on our behalf to God. That's why That's why this relationship works. This relationship would never work if it weren't for that. He paid a debt he didn't know. Because you and I, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we pray right now in the holy, precious, and matchless name of Jesus that you, Lord, would be honored and glorified because of the way that we live our lives. We know, Lord, that, that we have wronged people, our, our spouse or our closest friends, and we need to figure out how in the world that we can make that right. But we also know that you are the one who paid our debt, made restitution on our behalf, because we could never, ever afford the debt that we created. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for your willingness to pay that debt on our behalf. May we show you just how much we are appreciative by the way that we love you, by the way that we love others, and by the way we live out your gospel life. We give you praise and honor and glory. In the holy, precious, matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen.